<sighs> I'm gonna vote today too. I think. Oh, nice. Who are you voting for? <laughs> I'm not sure. It's a tough call. Um. Yeah. FDT. 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 What's FD? Oh, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, there's actually a song, a rap song called that. Really? Yep. By YG. That's awesome. Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sachs, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch Rob Cobbs, and then record our thoughts and place it on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. <laughs> and Max, how are you doing today? I am damn good, buddy. Uh, I just returned from a nice little trip around... Lake Michigan. I did like yes, a, you did. A little circle tour is what it's called, where you drive eleven hundred miles around the whole damn lake through Indiana, Michigan, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, and Wisconsin, back down into Illinois, and it was yes. fucking gorgeous. It oh my god, the fall colors up there were magical, and the, like the scenery was incredible. Like. Just to be reminded of like how beautiful nature can be is is always so refreshing, especially when you live in a city. Yeah, you know, remembering that we live in the Midwest, yeah, outside of Chicago, you know, it, it's yeah, always nice to kind of remind yourself of that. Yeah, and it was nice to nature. it was nice to explore the area outside of you know what you and I have seen for the last several years, you know, and become familiar with like what else is actually out there and, and be able to appreciate the area a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been stuck in this concrete, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> but I, yeah, man. I How are you doing? I was pumped that you got to do that. I am doing well. Uh, I, Actually got a text a couple days ago from my nephew. Shout out to Rocky Sanchez, uh, who's in the National Guard. He uh, is twenty, um, nice. and uh, he texted me about a movie that we reviewed a while ago. Really? Uh, yes, he texted me about Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, he threw a text my way because I, I believe he's one of our tens and tens of listeners. Uh, and Getting so fan if mail. Here's a shout out. Uh, but yeah, he mentioned how much he liked the movie. Nice. Uh, yeah. And it was and it was like the way he was explaining it. I'm just like, uh, yeah, I remember when I was 20 like that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, he like he mentioned he watched it, he loved it, and then I asked what he liked most about it, and he uh, he loved how Annie, which I forgot that was Meg Ryan's character's name, oh, yeah. um, how she went on this huge soul search for him. I'm reading the text right now. A huge soul search for him just from what she heard on the talk show and how fascinated she was about a guy she didn't even know, and how Sam was completely clueless to this one beautiful lady looking for him until fate led them to both meet on the Empire State Building. And then, boom, instant connection. 
the mystery of it all is so thrilling it keeps you pulled in. That's actually a pretty good take on it. It's like a good that. take. I agree. It's it's like it's the other side of my argument of the movie. Um, oh, the, the if you're if yeah. you remember, I I did fuck that movie, but only because I felt the last scene saved it. I was going to kill it, <laughs> um, and and it was mostly because like if you watch that movie, like the whole movie, there's that way of looking at it as my nephew has seen it, um, which is like how fate and there's just like these forces that are just kind of drawing you together and you can't fight that those forces and then there's my way of looking at it like you motherfucking adults have responsibilities so you know there's and and that's a very you know 12 years of age difference kind of way of looking at it which is the age difference between my nephew and i so uh well I think arguably yeah. he's seeing it from a perspective that that storyline should actually be applied to. I don't think it was, I think it would have been better if it was applied to like a couple of young 20 somethings that had no sure. other prior commitments and shit like that. But like this guy's but got a little needed, kid. Like, yeah, the kid and the kid was, was the huge like fate agent, <laughs> like, right. like chaos fate agent. So, and I, I, um, I get that he was supposed to be like the, you know, the, the, the catalyst for that to happen. But yeah, they could have found a different plot device, you know? I mean, yeah, if they really wanted to. But I yeah. Mean, yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, like, I, I thought that was cool that he reached That's out awesome. like that. That's awesome. That's so cool. You know, so shout yep. out to Rocky. Shout out to my, my, my niece, Michaela, as well, his older sister. Uh, shout out to Aubrey, their younger half sister as well. Um, and uh, yeah, shout out to the whole family. Shout out to Deonda and Ron as well. So, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so that was that was a cool little text to get, and um, you know, that was really cool. Yeah, that makes me, that makes me feel good about the the influence of what we're doing. I guess, like, yeah, you know, talking about movies from the past that are centered around rom coms. Yeah. Speaking of the past, we watched Ghosts of Girlfriends Pass. Nice. Uh, so yeah, we uh, we this is a movie that you chose. Uh, neither of us had seen it though, Mm-mm. correct? Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, you know, you chose it obviously because Halloween is this month, and Ghosts Halloween mm-hmm. makes complete sense, even though this movie is set around Christmas. So um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of weird. While I was watching, I was like. It makes sense for Halloween, but should I have saved it for Christmas? Like, what the fuck is happening? Is this Christmas Carol or is it Halloween? (laughs) We'll talk about that. Um, Yeah, and I totally made up that whole Halloween thing. Um, But uh, uh, yeah, so did you have any memories or anything from when like it first came out or anything that struck your mind before watching it? Uh, Like I said, I I think the only thing I remembered from it was maybe a preview or a, a a trailer of some sort that I saw at one point that was embedded in my mind that it's the scene of him like getting overwhelmed by all of his exes from the past. Uh, And, and that's like all I remembered from it. Yeah. All the girls are putting their hands over. Yeah. 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 I, I honestly didn't even remember that it was Matthew McConaughey as the lead. Like, I just remembered the concept of the movie, and that's it. Yeah, I 
remember the uh, commercial slash trailer for the movie, which is a common thing for me. Um, but I remember that commercial slash trailer for the movie. And uh, when he um, when he destroys the cake and the, oh. and the shot from like the floor up of uh, Sandra, the bridezilla. Yeah. Um, Lacey Chabert. Uh, when she goes, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that particular shot and um, and scene uh, like from the commercials. That was about it. Yeah. And I, and I remembered Emma Stone being in it. And that was about it. Well, you remembered more than me. I, I don't think I knew any of these actors were in it. <laughs> like I was surprised by every single one of their faces. Like, oh, Jennifer Garner. Oh, Emma Stone. Oh, Matthew Gane. Oh, Lacey. What's her? How do you pronounce her last name? Lacey Chabert. Chabert. Okay, so the emphasis uh, on the least. first syllable. Okay. Oh no, second syllable. Second syllable. So. Okay. Um. So we're gonna start with this first before I get into the stats. Uh. I keep forgetting to ask you about the Rotten Tomato score. We keep forgetting to bring it up. But, oh. So I'm going to do that first and foremost. Okay. So let's start here. What do you think is the Rotten Tomato score? By the way, last week we forgot to mention the Rotten Tomato score for the Philadelphia story. I hope you listened to that episode, guys. Uh, but uh, the score for that uh, in Rotten Tomatoes is 100%. So um, It was actually 100%. Is legitimately 100%. oh shit okay. But at the same time, it's an older movie, so there haven't been like newer reviews. So True. Like, it's just a bunch of positive reviews from the past. But I love how the one Rotten Tomato Rotten Tomato score we completely forgot about was the one hundred percenter. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, what is the Rotten Tomato score for mm. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past? And uh, this, I'm assuming, is out of like hundred and something. 143 reviews. Uh, I'm going to say maybe like 42%. It is 27%. Damn. Yeah. So, not positive yeah. <laughs> for Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but the... Interesting. Yeah. And, you know... What are they saying about it? Like what's one, their... one critic from Australia mentions McConaughey too once showed promise, but here he seems to be auditioning for a bad sitcom while Garner misuses her gawky sincerity. Uh, mm. And okay. then uh, Ben Mankovich, who uh, he wrote, this movie I think really did the impossible. It makes failure to launch look like the Thin Man, which is a highly regarded movie um, <laughs> and then uh peter rainier of christian science monitor oh boy yeah uh just in case you can't get enough of the romantic comedy of war of matthew McConaughey, ghost of girlfriend's past is here to remind you that yes some films of his are even worse than failure to launch surfer dude and how to lose a guy in 10 days that's that's i disagree with that entirely well, for for us who we've seen two of those, and we have not seen Super Dude, but we both fucked the two other movies. Christian Science Monitor, we disagreed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, 
<laughs> you know, despite your disdain for Matthew McConaughey, you have fucked both of his movies. That we've done. I mean, he's been in some solid films. Like, I, I, I just, I, I yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, and this one is this one is no different. This is gonna this is gonna conjure up some interesting conversation with regards to actors. So, yeah, I agree. Um, so, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past is a 2009 American romantic comedy film directed by Mark Waters. The script was written by John Lucas and Scott Moore, and it's based on Charles Dickens' 1843 novella, A Christmas Carol. Uh, Which I never actually think of as a novella. Like, it's just such a timeless classic, I always just assume it's, oh yeah, it's just, it's a book. Yeah. But then when you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, it wasn't really that long. Yeah. Uh, the movie stars Matthew McConaughey, Breckin Meyer, Jennifer Garner, Lacey Chabert, and Michael Douglas. It was released on May 1st, 2009. Uh, it also, of course, has Emma Stone as well. Do you remember uh, this movie coming out? Like, No, I just remember the commercial. I don't. Yeah. Like, I can't place a time. <laughs> like, I can't yeah. either. Yeah. Like, how did, how did we completely miss it? Because that was right around, like, 2009 was... Uh, several other rom-coms we've already done too right well we were also at the when it was released we were in the midst of junior year spring spring term so we were 21 freshly 21 and for me Mm. i was four months into my being 21 so my focus was getting to every bar on the weekends after school not to mention, we were definitely focused on softball that season, intramural yeah. softball. <laughs> well, that was also with the yeah with twenty one. So like also May first, that was right around when Xander and Matt. Shout out to my former roommates, and well, and of course Matt being the Reese Witherspoon expert. Um, that was also right around when they turned twenty one. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, that's understandable that we that we missed. We it. were predis- we were predisposed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, how long's the movie? Uh, hour forty-five. It is an hour thirty-five. Well, ninety-five minutes. Really? Yes. Huh. And the budget for the film was thirty-seven point five million dollars. For a film, for a film that was filmed basically at the same house, yeah, yeah, that's a fair amount of money, and that's probably because they got Matthew McConaughey at the end of the two thousands, so his rate was probably real high. Mm-hmm. And then Jennifer Garner, I mean, she's already done Alias, she's already done like superhero movies, so I think she did Electra by then. So she did yeah. superhero movies. She was in Electra. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so sure, her rate, I'm sure, was super high as well. And then they got Michael Douglas as well. So, like, I'm sure most of us spent on the actors. Uh, Probably. So, but how much did it make in the box office? I bet that dog in the background knows. Uh, that dog constantly likes to make their presence known right when I start recording. They live <laughs> across the street. And also, I... Uh, the squeak 
the squeaking that you heard last week on the podcast, it wasn't my chair. It was my desk. I was just sitting too close to it and like leaning on it. And it would oh. make, make the squeak sound. Okay. Yeah, so like I'm sitting a little further away from my desk. So I'm not bumping into it. I'm thinking uh, maybe he's just pissed that he hasn't been a guest appearance on the show yet. Uh, he's been on plenty of episodes. In the background, so. <laughs> that's that's true. He's done a cameo pretty much yeah, every episode. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, anyway. Um, how much did it make? Uh, 150 mil. 102.4 million dollars. Oof. Okay. Well, I mean, well, I guess no, times. that's still that's still good. Never that's mind. Three times its budget. Yeah. So it's a solid I mean, yeah, it's a very solid uh amount that they made off of this film for sure. Uh And then uh yeah, that's that's pretty much that on that. Oh, um, all right. So this is the second Jennifer Garner film that we're doing, along with the third Matthew McConaughey film we're doing. So we've gone over them as act, as actors and our feelings about mm-hmm. them. Um, how, but this is the first time they've been on film together. So let's start there. What did you think about Matthew McConaughey and Jennifer Garner together as actors? Before we get into the plot and everything else, just right, their performances. Right. Um, I, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was decent. Uh, I, I don't think I consciously thought of any issues or was, um, put off by anything they were, they were doing necessarily. I think they, they played well off each other. They were relatively convincing. Um, and I think they both held character pretty well the entire time. Like they were. I thought they both did excellent jobs acting actually. Yeah, I thought I thought they performed as well as they could with the with what they were given. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I, like the two of them didn't have like they had to say a lot without saying it because the like as adults and like present adults she hates him so she doesn't really want to like right like well she quote unquote hates him although you know there there's still lingering feelings from just their history and everything else like that so she has to play that off she has to play that behind her tough exterior and no nonsense approach with him right and, like her calling him out on his shit and like everything else like that um so, you know, that it, her performance had to be a little more nuanced. I've just never found Jennifer Garner to have that kind of depth to make it great, great. But it was good. It was serviceable. It was solid. I yeah, I, like, I thought for I her like role, it yeah. was perfect. Uh, I wouldn't say perfect. I think there's other actresses who could have done better. But I think it was good. You know? I mean, if, if I were to think about, like, actresses off the top of my head that might have done better in, like, a rom-com role and that kind of role, uh, I immediately think of Rachel McAdams. Because, mm. like, 
because I think of like Claire in Wedding Crashers, and I right. feel like you just turn the knob up here and turn the knob up there, and then Rachel McAdams plays this character a little better than Jennifer Gardner did. But at the same time, once again, it wasn't a bad performance by Jennifer Gardner. I just feel like, I, like whenever I see Jennifer Gardner on screen, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, that's, that's nice. I mean, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I definitely enjoy her. She's gorgeous. I love every movie that I get to see her in, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, see, I've never, been, I've never been swayed or, or like, you know, enraptured by her beauty. Like, I get she's a pretty lady mm-hmm. and all that, but I've never been, like, awestruck by her. Gotcha. Um, you know, by everything, so, yeah. I thought she, I thought Jennifer Garner handled the, um, the i don't know what you'd even call it the like perfectionist part of the character well like the not control freak but the type a well i guess she's not even really type a in the movie she's just kind of like like you said no nonsense where she's just very like to the point everything gets planned out everything is worked out ahead of time and well she's a doctor yeah so there has to be some like there so type a is is correct whether like it's a pronounced type a or not is you know the the question but if you're going to be a doctor there has to be some sort of type a in you right yeah you know? uh, but you know luckily with their performances though they you know they had to play it at, like to where there's a history so that you can buy it when they get together at the end but the structure of the movie being that it was played off of a christmas carol and there's the three ghosts of the you know the, the ghost of the past ghost of the present ghost of the future since you have the ghost of the past you can set up the love story there and so i loved the plot device of a christmas carol setting up a rom-com love story i did too and I liked I, I liked that the way they structured it that they didn't do it exactly like Christmas Carol, but they they like they kept having him wake up into reality again, deal mm-hmm. with reality for a few minutes, mm-hmm. inevitably fuck something up, and then go visit the next ghost kind of thing. Yeah, and like I liked that. It was a great plot device and definitely moved the story along in a great um, great pace. I thought. Yeah, uh, like I, I said it during the the past, and I said it during the future, uh, twice during the uh, during my live tweet. Which you know, once again, I I didn't live tweet on like Wednesday, like I said I would in the future. I, Disappointing. I'm, just, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna schedule I'm not gonna schedule these in advance, motherfuckers. <laughs> You're just gonna have to look at. It. You're just gonna have to follow along, and then when you see it, read it. And if you don't see it, whatever. Um, but it will be done. So, <laughs> so it's there. Uh, hashtag GOGP. Cause I realized on the first tweet that that hashtag, if I typed out the entire movie, Ghost of girlfriend's past, I was going to hate doing it. So I just shortened the hashtag to GOGP. Yeah. Um, good call. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought I said on two occasions, this is compelling shit. Like right. having the, the ghosts really made the, like the love story and things going on in his life compelling. Um, it, it gave it, his character so much more depth and history that like 
I don't see how they could have possibly packed in all of the information from his past that we learned into a normal plot yeah, of a without, rom-com. Without like having to like to go back into his past. Yeah, it would have been a three hour long movie. And they had and like luckily they had that device because the first twenty to twenty five minutes is tough to watch because right. he's such an asshole. <laughs> right. Which, which is which uh, another Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, with just kudos to Matthew McConaughey. Like, he performed it well, because you don't like him, and you, you're just like, fuck this guy. Like, why why would I ever want him to, like, find love at the end? Like, eat a dick. <laughs> you know? But, but then, you know, the plot devices and going back, you realize what exactly happened. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about Which, again, is another, in itself, a good plot device, because you are you as the audience are presented this same asshole character that everyone else in the movie is seeing too. Mm -hmm. And it's only later that you learn why he's that way. And it's up to you to forgive him. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's a lot of other rom-coms out there. Ones we've already watched as well that, that do the opposite where it's like, they introduce the character as this redeemable character right off the bat. And what we're seeing is different from what people in the movie are seeing of him. And, you know, sometimes that's a disconnect that's hard to, to follow along with or, like, understand the motives behind the other characters around the main character, you know? So that was I thought that was another great aspect to it. And like you said, Matthew McConaughey, dude, I, I, I know I've torn him apart before, but I got to say I was impressed with his acting in this movie. Like, yeah, like, I, I thought he played... You know his like playerish role and everything. Well, um, it, it's the the ending where there's just like the the desperation, like like the desperation that he has to play. Just it, it came off. It was odd because like it was played properly for that character. But at the same time, I'm also thinking to myself, like, uh, he just comes off con- like slightly petulant at the same time. Mm. Where, you know, he's just like, no, she's supposed to be with me. You know, like, and it's just like, oh, you don't own anyone sort of thing. Like, that's a very petulant, like, look at it. Um, like, when he's watching the, you know, the future right, happen. Right, And the wedding and all that. And he's just like, no, but she's supposed to be with me, sort of thing. It's just like, ah. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like. Well, that's, I, that's I, only I, part I, of the I, motivation. I, and then he, well, then he yeah, learns that he. That that's, that's how he would react in a desperate frame of mind right. at that time. He hasn't quite completed his transformation. Exactly, toward yeah. Adjusted human being. So. And that's I. That's why we can get to it as we go through the actual storyline. But that's why I liked seeing the the final speech or monologue that he gives to uh, what is uh, what's her name, Sandra? Sandra. Yeah, yeah the bride to be. Um, yeah. Because that, like, I need you need something like that after mm-hmm. watching an hour and a half of this asshole, un- normally unredeemable <laughs> character. You need a final massive event to be like. Yes, dude. Okay, I see. You've changed. At least a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I have a question for you. All right. So, 
you know, we'll go through the ghosts here. So let's start with the ghosts of the past. But my question to you is, uh, the teenage Jenny and teenage uh, Connor. Mm-hmm. Did teenage Jenny look familiar to you? Now that you mention it, kinda. I mean, I I I was marveling at the fact that they casted so well all of the actresses that played Jennifer Garner's younger self. Like they all fucking looked like her. So remember, this is our second Jennifer Garner movie. What was the first one? Oh, she was the one from uh, uh, Thirteen Going on Thirty. She was the. They casted the holy shit. You're right. Same actress to play younger Jennifer Garner. Oh my god! Thirteen Going on Thirty came out, I believe, in '04. So five years later, she once again was playing younger Jennifer Garner. Oh my god! That Uh, poor girl. I realized that, like, about, you know, 10 minutes after I saw her. So shout out to Krista B. Allen, who is that actress, uh, for once again playing younger Jennifer Garner and playing it well. Um, Definitely. So I, you know, yeah. And, you know, she she was very pretty. Um, very Like, a, a very pretty Jennifer Garner. Right. Younger person at that time. Um. God, she, was that's nuts. She, she was born in 92, so... Yeah. That's nuts. She's only four years younger than us. Uh, so... Uh, but yeah, so... the uh, Let's start with the past. Uh, well, no, you, you gotta start with the original ghost. Oh, that's right. Michael start Douglas. With, you're, you are correct, because I actually want to ask a question. Michael Douglas, uh, let's talk about his performance and what we thought of that. Um what did you think of Michael Douglas in this film? I mean, I've I've never not liked Michael Douglas. I think he's I've always been entertained watching him, so I've never had a problem with him. I thought he was uh, he was same old Michael Douglas in this one. It was no different. I was I loved the casting choice. I thought he played the part well. Um, I thought uh, the dynamic between Matthew McConaughey and Michael Douglas was good. I thought it, that was a good casting choice to have. Like it was a believable relationship, you know. Um, and like I said, I, I don't, I don't mind him at all. I, I really enjoy watching Michael Douglas work. So, yeah, I thought he was pretty solid, but at the same time, the entire time I was watching him, I'm just like, did they need Michael Douglas for this? Like, it almost seemed like they went and got a big name, but they- the role, the role itself feels like it could have been played by a number of older actors. Absolutely. Yeah. It could have, it did not need to be Michael Douglas specifically. Yeah. I feel like Michael Douglas is such a name and like this quote unquote Hollywood royalty that it was more of, they cast him for his name as opposed to how he performs. But at the same time, he does play that whole, you know, I mean, that was kind of, that's who he's kind of, been known to be in, in life is kind of this ladies man you know <laughs> i mean right, I, right. I told you off mic what his <laughs> explanation for how he got throat cancer uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god oh so, my god. yeah i yeah. i encourage anyone who does not know that like i didn't 
to go look that up. That is yeah. Y'all can y'all can Google that. I uh I I put a live tweet out there. Um, was this something well. that he said to like media or something? Uh, or in like an official statement or something? That's the story that that like he he like said it in like an interview or just like uh, okay. Um, like I, I mean I'm gonna Google right now. Michael Douglas stroke cancer reason. Michael Douglas wrote oh, Michael cancer. Michael Douglas. Uh, so, <laughs> um, WebMD is somehow the first one that comes up from okay. 2013 in a WebMD article. Michael Douglas blames his cancer on oral sex. And experts say the claim is probably correct. Because what? Tumor, because tumors caused by HPV virus much more respo- are much more responsive to treatment. And he... Um, yeah, so... Yeah, Hollywood star Michael Douglas says oral sex causes recent bout with throat cancer. Without wanting to get too specific, this particular cancer is caused by HPV, which actually comes about from cunnilingus, Douglas told the British newspaper The Guardian. He added that he has had real success beating back the tumor with chemotherapy, and with this kind of cancer, 95% of the time it doesn't come back. Douglas is also a longtime smoker and was at one time a heavy drinker, but so, experts say it's not far-fetched to think oral sex may have been the contributing factor and why it was, you know, beaten back so easily. Um, okay. So, um, and if, uh, if you're wondering what my live tweet was on that one. Um, my, <laughs> oh, they got, I mean, no, 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 don't spoil it. They got to go check it out. Yeah, go read it. It was great. Um this uh, this thread of live tweets also is not very GIF heavy because there was literally only one GIF of the entire film on Twitter, and it was uh, back when uh, the teenage Connor and Michael Douglas are at that bar, and then when Connor comes up with mm. that idea, and Michael Douglas says, "I've never felt more like your parent than I do right now." That was such a that made me laugh so fucking hard. Yeah. He yeah. rips off his glasses and throws them on the bar and just goes, "If there was ever a day I felt like your father." <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, Michael Douglas was solid in this film. He was. Um, he was. You know, and yeah, I honestly, I guess, all yeah, of the guess, actors were decent. Like. Yeah, Emma Stone was solid. Yeah, and she she, she usually kind of right bothers me too. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, she. I thought she was the comedic like the comedic winner of the movie for me. Uh, like I laughed so much at like everything she did. Yeah, in this yeah. film, just because she was playing a sixteen-year-old <laughs> like who was his first time. Well, and the the uh, dynamic between her and Matthew McConaughey in all the scenes was hilarious too. Like, like for example, yeah. I laughed so hard when they walked into the middle school dance for the first time. Yeah, and and she's like, she starts dancing to it. <laughs> yeah, and and he's like leaning away 
so extremely with this look of horror on his face. <laughs> and it was just like, he didn't even need to see any, say anything. And I was laughing my ass off. And there were so many times throughout the movie because of that dynamic that I was just like, fuck, am I starting to like Matthew McConaughey in this movie now? God damn it. <laughs> I, uh, I also liked when at that bar, when Connor comes up with that idea and they have that moment. She starts smacking her head on the tape on the bar table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, and I was like so sad that that wasn't a gift. Like, that needed to be a gift right there to put on Twitter. Just like her just smacking her head on the table, like, you idiots, you don't get this. What are you not getting here? Oh, my um, God. Yeah. But, yeah. She was definitely the comedic relief in those situations that we needed in order to like put all of that condescending just chauvinistic tutelage into perspective Mm -hmm. but the how about the like so this movie is a rom-com like granted like based off of a christmas carol but they killed the parents in a fucking car accident yeah that's rough when he's seven and his younger brother is two yeah that's yeah. heavy shit. Yeah. Like that is yeah. heavy. See shit. what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they developed his past so much that we actually like it. This movie made me feel shit for his character. Like, like going back and seeing what it was actually like for him to grow up, kind of thing, and like taking us through that journey along with him. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was it, it was heavy. It definitely and- had some emotional weight to it. I mean, and I mean, and then Jenny was there the whole time, but like, yeah, like at the same time, seven is kind of a tough stretch. I feel like they were acting like they were 10 or 11 years old when they first are on the swings and he takes the Polaroid over, yeah, which, you know, obviously comes back. Uh, But like just the way that she's like already like wanting, like wanting him to make a move sort of thing. And I'm just like, ah, I, I don't know. When I was seven, I didn't have any sort of thing like that. Yeah, uh, that was that was a little weird too. I was like, like I like, I mean, that's more of a like eleven, twelve years old sort yeah. of. Yeah, when you're seven, I, it's I, more I, of like, if you're looking to kiss at seven, it's more of like curiosity. It's not out of necessarily like. At seven years old, I was trying to make three-point baskets at at the outside hoop. Like that's that's that was my goal in life. Like I'm not I'm not trying to like I'm not playing with the girl in my neighborhood and like swinging swings and everything else like that. I've got my basketball and I'm trying to make a three-pointer. Well, I was trying to think of that too and and put myself in that those shoes because when I was younger, I I grew up with a close female friend at that age too and. And we, I mean, we did have a very similar kind of uh, childhood relationship like that, where it was like, we were always kind of flirtatious with each other, but like, you know, how flirtatious can you be at that age? Mm-hmm. Um, and like our parents would always joke about how cute we were and that, you know, someday we'll, you know, grow up and, you know, who knows kind of thing. And maybe we'll, but maybe they'll run off and be happily ever after that sort of shit. And, I fucking um, hate that. Like oh look at look at the like a little flavor. Like, I know, the, I know. Just like stop. And <laughs> and I want to say like you know we we always had that kind of like undertone to it where it was 
cutesy and flirtatious and shit. But like, yeah, at that age, you're not really, you're not really conscious of it. You might be conscious of it to the, to the sense that like you keep hearing about it from your parents kind of thing. But um, yeah, I don't really remember having like any sort of like real feelings beyond that. I don't know. I'm 32 years old and I still need things spelled out for me. So I could definitely <laughs> when I was like seven or eight or whatever. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, it played well on screen though. Like that swing, that swing scene is very cute in like the whole picture. And you know that that's oh, like a Chekhov's, a Chekhov's yeah. gun moment where it's like that picture is going to come back at some point. Oh, absolutely. But also that that camera and everything else is kind of like developed into Connor's livelihood like he's now a photographer and a very famous one who makes a lot of money at it obviously and so she was the you know driving force behind that so there's obvious so that obviously builds this whole they have a very deep connection from very young and it's like so you kind of get the idea of the whole meant to be together sort of thing um you know you get that vibe right mm. away from the whole going back to the past which is good because the first 20 minutes were spent watching this dude you know feel up his his brother's future mother-in-law um or oh. you know, like <laughs> i just literally i'm scrolling through images of the of the movie as like just to to remind myself of scenes and stuff and i just came across a gif of yeah. that scene where she just says i've banged worse <laughs> yeah <laughs> There you go. Um, and yeah, and like, and then he, he drops the, the information about his brother sleeping with one of the bridesmaids, which we will get to. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can talk about that here shortly. Uh, but then later on in the whole past, cause the past I feel like was the, the most compelling part of the movie. Oh, absolutely. Cause, cause it, cause it was where all the, the romance and all the, background ones so you have parents being lost and you have the only per only guardian left is an uncle played by michael douglas which by the way how much older was that uncle what's the relationship was he the wife or the husband's brother like i just don't how is he the only one I, you know there's questions there yeah that there, i had questions about that don't leave me answered but there are questions there. Um, so nonetheless, uh, and then we get to the dance, which we, you, you talked about. Um, and that moment where he choked, mm -hmm. I was just like, Oh, that was a tough mm -hmm. scene to watch. Cause it's just like, I've seen that mm -hmm. choking. I've, I've seen it. I've, I've been there. Like, I've done it multiple times. I, I've told the story about how I almost literally choked on my words at the New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's thing. well, and that's, that's an inevitable part of growing up, like whether it's with a choking on a relationship or, or anything else, like that's, that's the growing pains of youth where you have to make those kind of mistakes. And then to go back and watch them, it's just like, Oh God, I still have those painful memories of like, you know, cause those are always the memories that 
well, hypothetically, if you could go back, what would you change? And it's always those kind of memories. Like, well, I wouldn't fucking choke on asking her out. Yeah, 100%. But at the same time, those are all based in reality. Those are all real. Like, none of that feels like forced or fake or anything. No. Which makes it, as an audience member, something that can they can easily connect to, relate to, and appreciate as you're watching on film. And that's the whole thing where... You know, not only watching him choke, that's something that you definitely can feel and relate to. But then watching her after her friends are like the most popular guy in school wants to dance with you and make out with you. And when she looks back and doesn't get anything from Connor, she says yes and goes ahead with it and kind of like takes the takes the guarantee, basically, mm. uh, with the most popular guy in school. That's a a understandable reaction of a middle school girl. Like, mm-hmm. of course she does that. Of course she's not going to pass that up when it's there. And she yeah. thinks that the other guy doesn't like her. It, I mean, it's, and, and then, and then the soul crushing feeling that he, that he <laughs> obviously has leaving the dance, getting in his mm-hmm. uncle's car and riding away. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, the whole ride before, um, what is his name? Uncle what? Frank. Frank. Yeah. Uh, before Uncle Frank, you know, hits the brakes in the car mm-hmm. when they're just riding and you're hearing about how heartbroken he is about this situation. Yeah. Like that was a very real moment, too. It's like, oh, yeah, when you're that age, like every yeah. little romantic problem that pops up is like the end of the fucking world. But I mean, that's just legitimate first heartbreak. And so Absolutely. It's just like, that's a pain. Yeah. That I hear is real fucking bad. Oh, it's and so it's understandable awful. that it's understandable that as like a thirteen-year-old that he doesn't want to feel that ever again. Right. Hell, as he a thirty-three-year-old, I still don't ever want to feel that again. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. So, Heartbreak, yeah. no matter what your age, is just always going to be one of the most potent and potentially destructive forces on the planet. So that pain that he's feeling, just like not wanting to deal with it, completely makes sense. And then the overcorrect that Frank teaches him, you know, is in letting that be the foundation of his, of his entire future completely understandable mm-hmm. that is a completely understandable haven't gone to therapy heterosexual male <laughs> lost his parents in the car accident <laughs> everything explains everything oh, as far as his life at that point it, and then having uncle frank come back to fix the what he's caused with that in that car ride makes sense as well because it's just Uncle Frank, like, one last time, you know, seeing that the other kid that he helped raise in Paul getting married to his the love of his life. Yeah. Um, and knowing that, oh, I kind of fucked up the other one. I, I need to go fix that. <laughs> like, yeah. as, as it goes. Like, it, it, it all kind of, like, all of that made sense. And for a rom-com, that's not nothing. <laughs> like no. rom- There's a lot of rom-coms that just decide, uh, people will buy it. <laughs> right. Just kind of, 
and just, you know, progress forward. But here they actually put the work in to making a plausible backstory. And it really helps in connecting and feeling for the characters moving forward in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's for a rom-com, that is not nothing. Like there's so many rom-coms that don't even begin to scratch the surface of backstories or believability or anything. And it's just like, let's focus on the romance and that's it. Or let's focus on this one character and that's it. Um, I, I thought they, all the, all the different plot devices I thought worked out perfectly to, to develop the character exactly how he should have been developed and explain everything and neatly tie everything together to paint a really crisp, clear picture of this, this person. It no longer was it a character or a protagonist necessarily. It was just, a, it was a real human being. And we were now fully understanding his entire life story. And by the end of it, we're thinking the same thing. His little brother is, is like, we want to believe he's redeemable. We think he is, but he's not showing it yet. What the fuck? Yeah. And that's how you can, at least that's how I usually test the believability or like the, I guess I shouldn't say believability necessarily, but the, um, I I don't know. I guess the, uh, the consistency of the entire plot is if I can sit there and question it as a human being, like, is this a person that I would meet in reality? And, it, and would I be reacting the same way to this person as the characters around him are reacting? And by the end of it, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, if I knew this Matthew McConaughey character, I'd be under the exact same impression that his little brother is, where it's like, I want to believe there's something better. I think there is based on what I've seen. I know there is, but he's not demonstrating it. And now I'm getting worried. Mm-hmm. And... You know, and then later on in the past, then you see when Jenny and Connor actually did get together as adults. Mm-hmm. And so then you actually get to see McConaughey and Garner get to be in a rom-com for a little bit. And that was fun. That was. And the way that she made him earn it and the way that he earned it with his long hair. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, I also like um, the way they introduced that too, where we have Emma Stone like sarcastically saying, "Well, now it's time for a little montage about your romance." <laughs> yeah, it, it, and all of that, but just it, I, I feel like that that was a, a very a, a good amount of of them together on screen, so that you can be okay with them getting together at the end. Agreed. Like it. It was a necessary amount. You had to see McConaughey and Garner actually have chemistry. Right. I mean, that was something that we talked about the Philadelphia story and that Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn didn't have a lot of time together in love. Like, right. There was just a lot of them bickering and then all of a sudden they're getting married at the end. Um, But here, you know, you get the dates and, you know, you get to the point where he expects to be you know to get off the stoop after a kiss and then she finally lets him in to bang and and then he does he, he does what he does scared. best he i mean and that scared part is so real 
Yet again, another very real potent feeling. The fear of the fear of heartbreak as the most incredible motivator to close up, put mm -hmm. up your guards and walk away from something that would otherwise be a positive thing in your life. Yeah, because I mean, the only thing he's unconditionally loves is his brother. But it was but that's just that like sibling love is a different type of love. Like mm -hmm. it, and, and we'll talk about that here shortly when we get to the ghost present. Uh, but other than like that, he, he just, he hasn't loved anything like he loved Jenny and then turned it off and then turned it back on again only to remember, oh shit, no, no, I can't like, I, I for, like, don't forget what happened at that middle school dance. Do you want that again? Like, get mm -hmm. out of here, get mm -hmm. out of here before that happens to you again. That's it. That is something that a young man would do. And at that time, he's a younger man. I mean, it has yeah. to be. Look at the long hair. <laughs> yeah. And her reaction when she's like, when she first is like, you're going to get in this bed by the count of three, sort of thing. Mm hmm. Like that was a great. I I liked that little line delivery, and then when he wasn't there, and she cries, was like that was actually a well performed perform like absolutely, absolutely. I uh, liked that he gets back in the bed at first too. Like it, it's yeah. that's another example of like oh shit okay he he's got a shot like he's redeemable. There's a chance here because the deep down, as she even says to him, you have the count of three to get back in this bed where you know. Deep down, you belong. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he does. So, like, that is a, like you said, walk us through it. Show us, show us everything. Yeah. They show us directly that, yes, he has the potential to do better. Yeah. And then, yeah, I thought her reaction to it in the morning was that plucked at my heartstrings. Seeing that was like yeah. one of the moments where I walked away going, all right, motherfucker, I'm about done with your ass. You better pull your shit together and fix this. <laughs> yeah. And then and then we get back into the present where he, you know, ruins the cake. I, I, I mean, not a lot to say about that scene. Yeah, take it or leave it. It was, yeah. it was a fine yeah. scene, but. Yeah. yeah. I just kept thinking to myself, how are you not yelling for help? That's like, what I was thinking. Yeah. Like. You're sitting there in this like situation where you your hands are taken up. You can't reach the thing on the floor, the leg on the floor. You can't mm -hmm. reach any utensils to get the cake propped up or to get the utens or to get the tool. What there's a whole house of people. Mm -hmm. What are you afraid of? It's not like like the alternative is you get in trouble for ruining the cake. <laughs> but, yeah. At the same time, like all he had done at that point was open a box he shouldn't have opened to drink a bottle of champagne when there are obviously tons of bottles. So it's like they're gonna think you're a dick, but you haven't ruined everything yet, right? And then, and then also you saved the cake, right? And so by holding it up, and then you just ask someone, "Hey, can you grab that pillar right there so we can put it in here so I don't have to hold this fucking cake so it's still okay?" Also, yeah. fucking. 
the like why would you have pillars on her cake? Just have it stacked on top of each other. That actually is a, a pretty common wedding cake. Tier. I know, and I never get it. I Just don't put either. the fucking layers on top of each other. I, I'm more of that style. Um, and then and then I'll, with the little like uh frosting, you know, lattices at the at the bases, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like just a just a stacked cake, like not this fancy fucking sculpture of a cake. Yeah, white frosting, chocolate interior, Ooh. some sort of raspberry red Ooh. thing in the in the inside. Fucking white, you know, wipe your hands of it. It's it, we're ready to go. Oh, I like that. Let's do it. Let's go. That's All what's right. up. I'm so, <laughs> Uh, then we get to go the ghost of the present, which is his assistant. Eh, the assistant was meh. She did clean up really well at the end when she and Brad get together. I thought that was a hilarious little like a tie up at the end. Yeah, and it was both of those characters deserved it for being minor characters who weren't bad people. It's like, hey, here you guys go, go ahead and get together. Exactly. Like, okay, cool. And yeah, and she looked really nice when she came into that wedding. Um, but nonetheless. Uh, the the only thing I felt worthwhile, I mean, he he hears what everyone thinks of him, you know, which is, uh, yeah, it helps because obviously he's so self centered he doesn't really get it. But the big thing was the speech that his younger brother gives about him. Mm-hmm. And that speech was like, mm-hmm. for me, really hit home because that's how I feel about my two older sisters, like those. Like those two older, my two older sisters, Monica and Rebecca, I love them to death. Like they, uh, they've done a lot for me, especially when I, you know, one of them is eight years older than me and the other one's 14 years older than me. So there's a lot of, they didn't necessarily have to be that present in my life, have to be so supportive in my life, have to have helped me so much in my life, but they've chosen to be, you know, the type of siblings to be there for me. And, you know, that's always, and so it's just like, you know, and and I've and I'm like, okay, so I and that's what siblings are supposed to be. You, you're there for each other no matter what, and you reciprocate those feelings and that love. And so, you know, it, it's it, it yeah. So it's just like the way that Paul mentions how he was always there and like helped out and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like I I get that. Like that's just and it also provides a, a selfless attitude they can see. Connor through to once again root for him a little bit, even though everyone else is shitting on him. True, true. Yeah. Which, which actually, now that you bring it up, yeah, that's a that is kind of an interesting dynamic that everyone throughout the movie is shitting on this character. So it's it's setting up Rightfully for, so. huh? Rightfully so at that point. Absolutely, but it, it's everything is pointing in the direction for the audience to be able to shit on him as well and hate him and not want to redeem him at all. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I felt like they successfully convinced me that he was redeemable. And for the entire movie, essentially there was a part of me that was still rooting for him because it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I get it. You do have potential. I know you can get there despite what everyone else in the movie is saying, despite what everything on screen has told me. There's something mm-hmm. about you that I, I just know deep down is redeemable. I, I thought that was yeah. that's 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 tough to accomplish in a movie. Yeah. 
But of course, he comes back and from the this from the ghost trip, and all of a sudden, shit has hit the fan from his drunken, from him drunkenly saying that Paul slept with the bridesmaid. When you heard that, at, when he drops that line to the, you know, to the blonde bridesmaid, which one of those three did you think he had slept with? The one that he ended up sleeping with. I thought it was going to be the redhead. I thought the redhead. Oh, really? My, my money was on the redhead. So I was wrong. I just, uh-huh. I laughed my ass off when the, the final like monologue comes at the end and they're sitting in the car listening. Yeah. And, and he goes, you're not even mad at her. And she's kind of a whore or something like that. <laughs> like he, he said that she sleeps with everybody or something like that. And the two other girls in the car go, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I never get in situations. Like I hate in situations when someone's like, when there's some sort of cheating or infidelity possibility or angle and only and the person who was cheated on or you know the the victim of the infidelity only has hatred for the the, like the person they were in a relationship with and not for the friend that also right just like no 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 both sides need to get this exactly there were two people involved here come on that's not okay so um but but nonetheless uh I personally think that the timeline isn't as bad as it as they make it seem. With the infidelity, yeah, yeah. This what do I you was think the timeline is. I was I was actually going to ask you about this too because this was I know how hard I've come down on on this exact situation, but yeah, for some reason it didn't bother me nearly as much in this movie and i i wanted to ask you how you felt about it because i didn't understand why they were very vague and i feel like they were very vague for a reason on the timeline and i think it's because it's the timeline the timeline feels like one of those things where maybe like they i i don't i forget how they met they don't really talk about how they met so I like to think I like to think of it as like he met her and like maybe it was like group of friends meets a group of friends sort of thing like he and his buddies met her and her friends all like all around the same time Mm -hmm. sort of thing maybe like at a party yeah like a house party or something yeah like I like the story in my head is that he meets Sandra first they may have like a, they obviously have a vibe because they get together and get married. So there's obviously a vibe there, but they just met. I'm sure at the house party, she's there with her three friends, the bridesmaids. And so he also chats with the bridesmaids or whatever. But since it's a house party and they're in college, maybe like he and Sandra, you know, exchange phone numbers sort of thing. But after they exchange phone numbers or whatever, later on in the night, he runs into the brunette bridesmaid. And just, mm. and so he's exchanged phone numbers with that Sandra girl, but the brunette bridesmaid is ready to go at that time. <laughs> like, yep. just sort of thing. And so he just goes ahead with it because they're in college and that's what college people do. And then all of a sudden, you know, two, three days later, 
like he gets a phone call from Sandra or like he sees the phone number. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that girl. I should go ahead and ask her out because I've already because that one night stand literally is in the past. It was 48 hours ago. And I probably feel like I'm not going to worry about that girl at all. And so it was just that's what it felt like. It felt yeah. like it, and that's also how that bridesmaid, according to all, you know, all science in the movie, how it was pointed. Like, that's how she treats sex. Like, it, sex is just like a one night stand, stay where they are sort of thing. Like, she's just like, whatever. Like, this, like, they're all looking to bang someone at that wedding. You know? Yeah. 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 And like, all three of them probably would have banged Connor separately. Oh, totally. Another totally. That night. If Connor had stayed being the womanizer that he is, you know, and, and all of them would have just left it there. Like, that's just, you know, so that that was the whole thing where it's just like, I just don't feel like it was a intentionally like he was betrothed or connected to yeah. Sarah and intentionally hurt her through his negligence sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think I felt of, the same way where it was like, I don't know. I imagine it like, like maybe even if they, because I feel like she mentioned at some point that they were dating already, but even if that was the case, like okay, maybe you've gone on a few dates, but you're you haven't like established an actual real exclusivity or anything, right? Yeah, like, um, and you not necessarily that you would need to verbalize that, but you haven't even like consciously established it. Like you've just you're just dating still. It's you don't know where this is going yet. You don't know if it's going to last. You don't know if it's if it's worth pursuing longer. You're still just dating. Mm-hmm. That that's I think how I kind of pictured it, where it's like maybe they were dating already, but like they weren't exclusive, and it was still in the very early phases. And I mean, either way, I understand her or her feelings to, about it, but yeah, I just didn't I didn't pick up on the same kind of infidelity. Uh, vibes that we've discussed in other movies. I agree. And then that leads to the ghost of the future where, you know, Paul's alone and he shows up to Connor's, you know, funeral by himself. Mm. And, and then, you know, Connor is having dirt put on him by his exes, like all his exes. Yeah. that was the second time I was like, wow, this is compelling. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, what wasn't compelling, though, was what the wedding where Jenny and Brad are kissing, and he jumps through and, like, jumps through them. I, that part, I was just like, that's that kind of felt like that petulant. Like, no, it's supposed to be me. You yeah. and me. Like, that felt petulant. But then seeing his younger brother and seeing no one at his funeral besides his younger brother... And then having dirt pour, that was the compelling part to me. That was the part that really hit home. Yep. Um, and and then that was the part that <laughs> I just remembered uh, when he wakes up and then um, he, he uh, yells to that kid outside, is it Christmas? <laughs> no, it's Saturday, you idiot. <laughs> It's, uh, I just thought that was funny. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed that too. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty much all for the Ghost of the Future. And then, of course, he he chases down the the car because they're going to because the wedding's off. Blah blah blah. And, 
and they use that scene and they use the shag and wagon they use the shag and wagon which is the of course the vehicle that he was that this whole thing chapter of his life started in yep and he punches the (laughs) (laughs) he punches the dad which is hilarious um and then he drops that speech on uh yeah yeah what'd you think of that it was so odd that he drops the speech to her with jenny listening and then they're the ones who hug and he kisses her on the cheek afterward and it was just like how many rob cobs are is the speech delivered between the two principles and it ends in a kiss not just a kiss he essentially like did the rom-com proposal too you want to get married and he's she's like i do like it was it was hilarious i thought it was like it was a a very very interesting way of doing it yeah i agree it was definitely unique i don't know if i liked it a lot or not i didn't mind it and it was definitely unique i have not seen that yeah, I definitely appreciated the uniqueness. And that yeah. was, for me, that monologue itself was actually the moment in the movie where I went, fuck. All right, I'm sold. The regret and the pain thing yep. was the thing that got me. Where it's just like, I've, I've lived with regret. And I tell you, it's so much worse than Oh, I, I rewound that scene and I was like tearing up at it. I was like, this is like legitimately tugging my heartstrings right now. Like, I feel it. I feel you, man. Like, you're convincing me. That was when I was convinced of Matthew McConaughey's acting, too. I was like, oh, okay. There you go. And it actually, it flashed me back to another movie of his that I actually love and I never think about. But it's a it's a drama and it's... um. Uh, I was going to say it's To Kill a Mockingbird. It's not that. Um, I can't even remember the title. Huh? A Time to Kill. Yes. Thank you. He delivers an incredibly powerful monologue in that movie, too, which if if you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend. It's a solid movie. That's where my mom and my sister Monica first like fell in love with Matthew McConaughey way back in the mid nineties is when that uh, movie came out. I don't know why. Whenever I evaluate Matthew McConaughey's acting, I always forget about that movie. I own it and I love it, and I love his acting in it too. That monologue he delivers in it is so fucking convincing. And he's and got a fantastic Samuel L. Jackson performance in there as well. Absolutely. And and, and that delivers an iconic movie line of that movie. Uh, which is? Yes, I think they deserve to die. I hope. Oh yeah, when he loses his shit in the courtroom. Yeah. Yeah, that line, that fucking line. I haven't seen the movie. I just know that line is said, and I've seen him say it, and I'm just, and like, I just wish he would have said motherfucker at the end too. (laughs) Well, of course, he should have said motherfucker multiple times. (laughs) But um, but that that monologue at the at the car with with uh sandra that flashed me back to his monologue in a time to kill and i was like oh yeah matthew mcconaughey actually can fucking convey damn convincing emotions when he wants to does marcellus wallace look like a bitch (laughs) then why are you trying to fuck him like one (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) this Uh... is a tasty burger 
<laughs> I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. Goddamn, we'll never review Pulp Fiction on but this that, podcast. Uh, but I don't know if there's a better ending scene than he and John Travolta walking out in their weird ass clothes after the whole diner stand-up. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and like the way they just walk out smooth, like it's nothing. Just like <laughs> he's even got a little lip. It's like weird ass clothes. Ah, oh, fucking shit. All right. Anyway, anyway. back to this movie. Um, so we get that, uh, and then I mean, let's just go. Uh, like, okay, before we get to the kiss, because it's I I feel like the kiss is after, or, you know this. Then uh, Matt, uh, Connor gets his opportunity to reciprocate the speech to his brother. Because um, his brother gave a great speech about how much he, he loved Connor and mm-hmm. believed in him and everything else. And initially, Connor didn't want to give a speech because he, he kind of gave a drunken one the night before. Um, but... Then he gets to give the wedding toast. And I remember, like, just like you said, you liked the monologue for his, like, speaking ability and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a fantastic, like, this is the Matthew McConaughey I know. And this is the Matthew McConaughey I like watching. His, his, uh, like, his toast? His best, best man speech giving Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. That is yeah. perfect Matthew McConaughey in my mind. That was a solid fucking scene. That was. Oh, man. I. I wanted, like, at that point, I was just like, I want Matthew McConaughey to be my best man and give the best man speech. So, well, and and he just he kind of really personifies the whole balance throughout the movie of plucking your heartstrings versus making you laugh, like. Mm-hmm. And those monologues, whichever one you want to choose, whether it's the one at the car or the one at the wedding, mm-hmm. both are, are, are no exception to that. Like he, he leads up to those scenes with, you know, some comical scenes. And then he delivers these epic monologues that really convey true emotion and really convince the audience, at least, I guess you and I, at least mm-hmm. that, He's truly feeling these things. And that, to me, that's a mark of a decent acting job. Like, you're making me feel what I'm supposed to be feeling in your shoes. Yeah, and I love the line that he gives of, you know, our parents would have loved you. Oh, Jesus. And I was just like, that is the line a best man is supposed to (laughs) get. Like that right there. That's oh top God. Well done. Well done, sir. Yeah. Kudos to you. Yes. Um, so then that leads to the the moment where the kiss happens. So there's a few kisses, obviously, between Jenny and, and Connor. But I feel like the last one they have on the swing set is the the kiss of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it... it it's set up well with the whole Chekhov's gun thing, as I mentioned earlier, where he has the Polaroid still, and she's still not sure she can truly trust him because she's trusted him before and it hasn't mm-hmm. worked out. And then, boom, he shows the Polaroid photo, and then they kiss. I thought that that was solid. 
The kiss was solid. Everything about it was just solid, solid, solid. And so I give it a B plus myself. Uh, yeah, I would give it, I'd give it an A minus. I loved it. Uh, the only thing I didn't, it didn't land right with me was the kiss itself. Like they were kind of hidden. Like we didn't actually see them, you know, lock lips. Yeah. It was, it was almost like, you know, it was dark and I, the, I'm, I'd have to go back and watch it, but I remember taking note that that the camera angle was at a weird angle where I think we, it was hidden behind Jennifer Gardner's head. So like when they actually do kiss, we don't actually see them kissing and then it kind of pans around and then we see them kissing and immediately the kiss ends and he notices the song that's playing inside. So, So if I had to improve anything about it, it would just be to emphasize the actual kiss a little bit more. But otherwise, everything about that is right up there. It It's perfect for me. Like, that's the exact rom-com kiss I want at the end. Mm-hmm. All of the beautiful symbolism, the, like, starting the, the their relationship on the swing set and ending it there. You got the Polaroid. You You got the song. All of it, like the symbolism throughout the movie is prevalent, albeit very obvious, but, you know, it's a fucking rom-com. It should be. It's cheesy and corny. It has to be. But it's good symbolism, and it's it all ties together with that kiss, too, and it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. And it was just a, you know, a solid way for the movie to end. And then they choose not to end it there. <laughs> yeah, that was strange. I was like, oh, cool, the movie's done. And then Yeah, and then they they give the ghosts one more like moment and it's just like and then they end the movie with an age of consent joke. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, although that little tag at the end though did allow for the assistant and Brad to get together. So I mean there's at true, least that. True. Um took care of know. a little bit of your happily ever after. Yeah, <laughs> what happens after ever after? Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what happens after ever after. Brad and, and the assistant get together, um, and, uh, and and Paul and Sandra. I think they make it. Um, so also, cool. I feel like one of the bridesmaids and one of those groomsmen end up getting married within a year. I don't know which and which. Mm. I'm gonna guess. The blonde and the short one. The one who... The one who rips the the other... The one one who takes the bridesmaid and pushes her off. She's like, no, I get the short one. Doesn't just take her. If you go back and watch it, I think she grabs her fucking hair and rips her backwards. It's like, no, I called the short one. Yeah. Like, Jesus. I think think that one and the short one get together and get married within a year. I can see that. That... I well, fuck, now I kind of want to see that at the end of, in the credits. Like, <laughs> well, wasn't there like an uh, oh, that's what it was—the fucking bouquet sauce and the oh yeah, the, the movie. Like, what the fuck ending is that? Yeah, I don't get it. Like, it's just oh, when it happened, I was just like, what the fuck was that? I don't know, and especially because I watched it like. I started at like 12.30 in the morning. So like I ended the movie at like 2.30. And then I just see this happen. I'm just like, 
is this like a lack of sleep thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get nope. this. Nope. Nope. No, that's nope. a that's a real thing. Well, and then the whole the jaw dropping reaction of the groomsman too when she shoots it. <laughs> yeah. I thought so. Maybe those two get married first. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. no, no. no we've already. Shooting, shooting a bouquet out of the air is not nearly the same level as ripping your friend's hair out of her head in order to get the guy you want. Plus, the archer, she doesn't, she's not in need of a, a partner. She's on a, a different type of quest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A, a, a quest to shoot arrows everywhere in life. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we get to the verdict of the movie. <laughs> do it. Let's what do it. You, what would you do with this movie, Max? Uh, well, I I am very surprised at the rating I'm going to give this movie, and it was a rating that I decided on about 15 minutes into the movie, and thought if this keeps up. I'm not going to have a choice. I have to, I have to do this. I have to rate it this way. And sure enough, it only got, it only amplified it from then on out. I'd marry the fuck out of this movie. Me too. Really? <laughs> I married this film because I was the same way. Uh, like when we got to the ghost of the past, because like, even though Matthew McConaughey was a dick and I felt like it was kind of slow at the beginning because of how much of a dick, it was kind of tough to get through that first initial bit. Right. But at the same time, I was, I was still in it. And mm-hmm. then when it got to the past, the ghost of the past, I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. Oh, and like that, I, like you said, the ghost then, of the past was so rich with like storytelling was, stuff and everything. Like, yes. And with oh. stuff that I was, that as a viewer, I was just impressed by that it was included in a rom-com. Yeah. And that also, I felt as a, just as a story was interesting and had my attention and everything else. I was just in it and it was just, and I, I didn't get back out of it. And Absolutely. even though it's not like, uh, it's not like the top, top movie, but at the same time, I would put it on that like tier that I put the wedding date, which I always get back to on. Um, I just really enjoy this fucking movie flaws yeah. at all. Yeah, Absolutely. It is very enjoyable to watch. Like like everything you said, the the uniqueness of it is fantastic. The storytelling qualities of it are great. Uh, it, it keeps you engaged. It has a good balance of funny scenes and heart plucking scenes and drum, dramatic scenes. It's 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 got everything. It ties everything neatly together at the end. It's a believable romance. You're rooting for them the whole time, but it's also it's a, it's another example of how um how perfectly tied in your romantic relationships are with your personal development as a human being mm-hmm. and it it gave a lesson about that too and it it told us all of this information about his past without bogging down the movie and making it 3 hours long there was a lot a lot to like about this movie yeah so I uh, I apologize to you, Max. I fed you shit when you chose it. Well, and thank it you. I appreciate the a, apology. <laughs> it turned out to be quite a good movie to watch. So, I, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. So, uh, you can follow us on social media. The 
show's Instagram is Bromancing the Stone Podcast. All one word together, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, where I live tweet the movies uh, in the week leading up to the to the actual review when it's released. Uh, it, our Twitter handle is Bro the Stone Pod. So that's B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. And then my Twitter is Supermarket Sweep without the E in Super. So S U P R Market Sweep. Uh, that's premiering very soon on ABC as well. That show. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then also my Instagram is Relusa88, and that's R E L U S A 88. And then Max, what are your socials? Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. And on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted with an underscore instead of a period. Um, but like yeah. I've said in the past, I'll warn you guys now that I I don't really check them that often. Um, <laughs> so proceed at your own pace. <laughs> and it's, it's my choice for the next film. So this film. Uh, Ghost of the Girlfriend's Past was on Netflix, so made it easy to watch and everything else like that. Um, and while on Netflix, I saw uh, another movie in uh, an, a Netflix original that recently came out that had some actors in it that I liked, and so I'm going to choose that movie because right. I feel like we haven't watched a Netflix movie in a while. So uh, the movie is called Love Guaranteed, and it stars Rachel Lee Cook and Damon Wayne Jr. Oh, coach. Coach from New Girl, yes. All right. Um, it is. Uh, Getting it, some it, fresh talent in these, these rom-coms we've been doing. Yeah, so I'll live tweet it. I will, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and admit it. I did watch it already. Um and so I will watch it again before we uh, review it next week. Um, There's so uh, And when I watch it again, I will live tweet it, of course. So you'll get my uh, thoughts as I'm, as I'm watching it again. Speaking of uh, Netflix and rom-coms, after I finished watching uh, Ghost Girlfriend's Past last night, I clicked on Netflix as the option to like see similar titles or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I did that, and I was marveling at just how many rom-coms are actually on Netflix. Like, e- even just the ones related to that movie. Yeah. That's not even all of the, the rom-coms that are on there, because Love Guaranteed didn't even come up in those suggestions. So, yeah. I to anyone listening, I actually like highly recommend, now might be a good time to go on to Netflix and check out some rom-coms, because there's some good amount of rom-coms on I mean, there. That's how I've seen so many rom-coms, is through Netflix. So, yeah, it Netflix is a fantastic place to go to to catch rom coms for sure, and they might be stocking up for the the colder months of the year too. So I mean, Netflix has made a ton of original rom coms, and I mean we talked about that with Set It Up, um, yeah, yeah, um, this past summer, and you know we won't necessarily get too much into like the the business part of it and everything else like that, but as we mentioned with Set It Up, Netflix has definitely made a lot of rom-coms and so let's go ahead and do another one of them. let's do it all right well until then thank y'all for listening we love y'all we appreciate you rocking with us and to the tens of tens of listeners we will catch you next week
Peace Love out. you guys.